My name is Rusty Mackey, and you're listening to The Art of Stability. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Listen, I just want to start out by saying thank you. Uh, Thank you for continuing to listen to these episodes. Thank you also if you've shared these episodes. It really helps others to hear about this new podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed doing these and I hope you are enjoying these conversations as well. Speaking of conversations that I have enjoyed, I loved this conversation with Sue Curry. Susan Curry is a spiritual director and for the past 15 years has led SELA, which is a training program for spiritual directors, which, by the way, I just happen to be part of. It is excellent. Thank you, Sue. Susan and her husband, Dave, live in the New England area. They're both ordained ministers in the Anglican Church and have three grown children. You know, I think one of the best compliments that you can give anyone is that you genuinely look forward to spending time with them. And that has been my experience with Sue. And in today's conversation, we talk about having a non-judgmental presence, how cancer moved her from circumstantial stability to true stability, and how slowing down to listen to the scriptures helps us know Jesus better. Stay with us and enjoy Let It Be with Susan Curry. Sue, one of the things that I noticed about you the very first time we talked, which was over a Zoom call, much like this one, uh, when I was trying to convince you to let me join the SELA Spiritual Direction Program after I missed the deadline. Um, So thank you for taking my call with that. (laughs) Uh, One of the first things that I noticed about you that has been deeply impactful for me was uh, just your presence. And specifically, uh, there was an air of non-judgmentalism to you. I didn't get the sense of you're trying to size up uh, who's this guy that I'm talking to, but you were genuinely curious about me and my story. So I'd love to start out today by hearing, you know, what is in your story that has led Mm -hmm. you to become that type of person? What a good question. And what an interesting one. I have to think that through. <laughs> um, I would say I grew up um, as an observer. Mm-hmm. I am in the classic personality test ways. I'm a pretty strong introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of how that plays out is that if you put me in in a room with other people, I will observe and listen more than I will put myself myself in the forefront. Yeah. I will say that that being in ministry um, for all the years when my husband was a pastor, mm. I learned to do the talk to people thing, um, especially coffee hour after the worship service on Sunday yes, morning. Yes. You just learn to talk to people. And a lot of that starts out as small talk um, or what we would feel is small talk because that puts people at ease and helps them begin to feel like they're seen and known. But my deepest joy comes when that conversation can turn to deeper matters. And in in those deeper conversations, there's always a feel of the Lord present, revealing primarily His presence and His ways with the other person, which comes through listening well to the other person. And um, I think over, over the years, as I've nurtured that, it's become more part of who I am. Mm. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the observing part 
depth mm-hmm. and really seeing people that's always come very naturally for you. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned small talk, but mm-hmm. that that part was something you learned mm-hmm. and over time and, but your, your real heart's desire is to get to that deeper connection with people. Yes. Am I, am I hearing that yeah. correctly? Yeah, very much so. And in fact, sometimes it's rather awkward because I sort of dive in there pretty quickly when people <laughs> are not quite ready to go there yet. But uh, yes, that you mm-hmm. are hearing it correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about, I think it was in the contemplative pastor with Eugene Peterson, where he talked mm-hmm. about the the spiritual discipline. I can't remember if he used that word, but I, mm-hmm. something to the degree of the spiritual discipline of small talk and very how for some of us, we, we do long to go so deep with people and it just freaks people out, uh, yeah. but that it is yeah. truly loving to, uh, to be able to do small talk with mm-hmm. folks and mm-hmm. to meet them where they're at. Uh, as someone who you've had to learn how to do that, what, what was the process of learning that skill like <laughs> for you? How would you encourage uh, the person who wants to go from zero to 60 in intensity right. and conversation? How would you encourage right. them to meet people uh, in the small talk? Yeah. So part of it is just simply being with people, which is getting increasingly challenging in our world. I think we all do small talk now through social media, um, just throwing out little sentences here and there without letting them become deep listening and back and forth responding. Instead, it's much more about just sort of throwing out statements so that I be with people, be with people in person and ask them questions about their life and then pick up on you just sort of learn this there's a back and forth rhythm and you just start getting into that rhythm and then you, and then we do learn over time how to read people so you start with what may feel like small talk getting to know them a little bit starting to press in with some of their responses and you can tell if they if they're putting up like okay no further no deeper this is enough mm-hmm. you can tell and you can sort of dial it back a little bit at that point yeah. But be in it conversation. Is, yeah, it's amazing how much we share, even in small talk. We use themes and phrases mm-hmm. and words, and we don't even realize we're coming yeah. back to them. It's almost as if our souls are saying, see me, <laughs> right? hear me. Um, right. You know, you mentioned earlier the dynamic of when you're with someone, you're also present to the Lord who's mm-hmm. with both of you. Um, so yes, some of us need to learn how to do small talk. Uh, there are others who are terrified by anything that is deep. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you, you know, love someone well? And, and again, Mm -hmm. I experienced that and have experienced that from you. So how have you grown in being able to really help people go there in Mm -hmm. conversations since that's what we really want, you know? Right, right. And time is another factor. Trust mm-hmm. takes time. Um, we don't become vulnerable until we trust the person we're being vulnerable with. And trust takes time. So a lot of the conversational part is we just listen well the first round. And the next time we see the person, we ask a follow-up question. How is your sister doing? Or, you know, how did that job interview go? And, and they realize for so many people, they've never been listened to. So to have someone just express, I heard you, I'm getting to know you, I value you, um, that builds trust. Mm-hmm. We begin to open up a little more each time. Yeah, which is such a key to spiritual direction, which I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about that more 
have questions now, but I'll I'll hold them because before we get into that, uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a story from you of a time where you had some instability in life, some mm-hmm. difficulties, and yeah, would you be willing to share with us a story? Certainly, certainly. and you did prime me with this question, so I <laughs> gave some consideration, and I thought honestly, the older we get, the more stories we have, mm-hmm. but. The story, I don't know if any of your guests have shared yet about a health concern. Um, It's a cancer story. And Mm. um, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, came seemingly out of the blue. I was relatively young for that kind of a diagnosis. And it was was full-blown stage three when it was discovered. So, um, so much so that they immediately did genetic testing and discovered that I have a particular genetic condition that predisposes me to that kind of cancer. So um, immediate instability, right? What does this mean? Um, What does that mean for my life? Uh, Will I live? What does it mean for um, the process that they laid out for me, a year-long process of treatment, which is sort of the standard process? Again, this is 10 years ago, so obviously I, I did live. And, yes. Um, the Lord We're is so very, grateful. very gracious <laughs> through that year. But, um, you know, in the moment of the diagnosis, and honestly, for the, for the entire first month, everything became uncertain. Um, yeah. Not simply, will I live? But what does this mean for my family? What does it mean for my ministry? All the people I meet with for spiritual direction. Um, it's, it's a good general practice that if, you as the director feel I can't be present well, that you take a break from direction. And so I let all my directees know that over the next year, I would not be meeting with them. There might be a couple months at a time here and there where I could reconnect. But, um, and that was, you know, that wasn't even necessarily about, will I be feeling physically well? It was also just, I knew my mind would be so distracted. Um, So vocationally, that sort of set off to the side. I was just finishing up my doctor of ministry, had my thesis defense, um, mm. possibly right around the same time as I started the treatment, I think, the cancer treatment, chemo. So, so that was going on. Can I actually graduate after these years of working wow. on this? Um, what does it mean for our daily rhythms? What does it mean when every day per month? you're driving in for radiation or every week for three months, you're driving in for, you know, all those. So great instability. And, um, and for my family as well, because then they're grappling with, are they going to lose me or not? And, you know, that's the big question, but there are daily questions. What's the daily schedule look like when this is thrown into the mix and, Mm. um, people are, pressing in with concern, which very dear. I'm so grateful for people's prayers. But at the same time, there are a lot of people to manage, um, managing their concern. And um, anytime you say the word, I'm sure this has happened to everybody listening right now, anytime you say the word cancer, everyone has someone they know, if not themselves, someone they're close to. And so just the word cancer sparks reaction response in people which then all of a sudden you're receiving all of those reactions right intending those as well so yes instability is a mild word um but one of many that describes that season 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm so glad that uh, I didn't know that about you. And I'm so glad that you're still with us. So praise Jesus for that. Yeah, as you were describing that, the imagery for me was just kind of like your whole life came to a halt. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you're having to just reorient, you know, complete disorientation, having to reorient to this new way of life uh, and every, all the implications Mm -hmm. of that. Um, Yeah. And I almost feel a little guilt, like that's, okay, you asked me the question. That was the example I gave. Like that's uh-huh. okay. That's the big example. Um, uh-huh. Probably the only one that's larger than that is losing someone very close to you to death. Mm-hmm. Um, we all deal with much lesser instabilities on a much more daily basis. And um, but I I grew a lot during that year um, with the Lord. And you know, until something like that happens doesn't matter what our theology is, our experience of stability is honestly based on stability. Yeah. Things are going fine. Of course, my life, my life is stable. And it's, circ- it's entirely circumstantial, even if we have all the right theology, even if we have a strong relationship with the Lord, it's circumstantially based. And it's not until the circumstances are challenged that we and we are thrown into circumstantial instability that's right that we then have to do the the deeper work and go to the deeper places that's right and i love how you said i grew a lot and i thought you were going to end there but you said Mm -hmm. i grew a lot with the lord and Mm -hmm. i think that just gets at your point of having to do the deeper work so what was that deeper work like for you you know as i'm Mm -hmm. thinking of your whole life just getting disoriented turned upside down my first thought was man what was going on between you and jesus yeah yeah in the midst of that well, with something that um, frightening, the first, you know, the first week is just you're in shock and um, can't quite believe this is happening and is it really happening? Well, maybe if I just pray harder the next week, this will, yeah. and I go back in for the follow-up checkup, it won't be there anymore. You know, you're in going through all of that. Um, but by the second week, the sort of the fear is right there pressing at the door and you wake up in the middle of the night and... Um, you know, the middle of the night is always harder for any of us whenever there's something challenging or frightening. So you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind just starts going through all the scenarios. And um, I remember sitting in the room where I meet with people for spiritual direction. And, um, and nowadays it's the room where I have my morning prayer time. I remember sitting there and praying this through sort of naming the fear and sensing Jesus ask me if this is about dying is that okay and the thing is at this point the doctors have said this is curable likely <laughs> it'll be an all year but um looks like the prognosis looks pretty good you know this is curable so they were saying that um i think i was believing them but it hadn't done that hadn't brought 
the I hadn't transitioned interiorly yet into mm-hmm. believing that the fear was right there. So so I sensed Jesus asking, "What if this is about dying? Is that okay?" Mm. And I mean, what an unusual way to phrase that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we certainly don't hear that. We don't hear that question in our churches. We don't hear it in conversation. Mm-hmm. What we hear is the pep talk and the the victory talk and the mm-hmm. have faith. Um, but to have Jesus say, what if it is about dying? Is that okay? And in hearing that question, a response arose within me. It wasn't conscious on my part, but the response was yes. And as soon as we had that interchange, the fear went away. And it felt it was a gift. It was a gift from the Lord. And I can honestly say that the fear, and that was only that was one month into a year long, right? So um, the fear did not return. Wow. Discomfort, anxiety at times, those things. But that deep sense of fear went away. Mm-hmm. In a way that I, I think, I won't know until I next face death, but I, I think took away a fear of death. Um, and again, not a theological fear of what happens, totally. but just a, yeah. a gut. Um, yeah. So I, I do find that, you know, when I think about um, t- other circumstances that have made life feel unstable, a lack of security, what's actually going to happen next? What is this all about? Lord, what, you know, what is this all about? You know, those types of seasons and questions. Yeah. When I come back to that question and frame it according to whatever the particular fear is, okay, um, what if this is about that friend not being there? Is that okay? Yeah. What if this is about, um, I, you know, I meet with people in spiritual direction. Someone shares about loss of, uh, potential loss of job. What if this is about losing your job? Yeah. Is that Okay. What if this is about your spouse divorcing you? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. What if this is about you're in your 60s and, and that dream you had may actually not happen? Mm-hmm. Like you can dream it in your 40s and think you'll get there, but usually by the time you're in your 60s, you realize, oh no, I don't think that's going to happen. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah. And it's not to say, I mean, sometimes we should shout back, no, it's not, right? Because <laughs> um, particularly matters of injustice, um, mm. no, it's not okay. Mm. And there are times when we're called to engage in ways that change something to the extent right. to which we can, right? Um, but underlying, that's always held in this wider context of, what if that doesn't, in that case, what if that doesn't do any good? What if it doesn't extend as far as you want it to? What if the justice you can bring or the mercy you can bring or the care you can bring isn't enough? Mm-hmm. Um, that is it okay brings us to the, it turns our eyes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's a mystery we can't solve. Yeah. Um, but is he there? And can we gaze on him and let it be, whatever, whatever it is, 
if we gaze on Jesus, he does that work of stabilizing us. Yeah. He does that deeper work that you were mentioning. You know, as you're sharing that, it, it just makes me think of the practice of lament. So, mm-hmm. yes, like lament is a God-given, you know, mm-hmm. present for us to open in these mm-hmm. moments of that is not okay. But also yeah. the the regular call in scriptures to surrender. I'm hearing that as well. The releasing, yeah. the letting go. And, and that's the mm-hmm. piece where, you know, I think the church has grown a lot since 2020 and learning how to lament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely become more on our radar. But the dynamic of surrender and letting go is something mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, we're just not very good at in the yeah. American church, uh, yeah. as you mentioned a little earlier. Sue, I'm wondering when you talk about that moment of Jesus asking, you know, what if this is mm-hmm. about death? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. What did it mean to you then? And even mm-hmm. thinking about it now that that came from Jesus who willingly died for mm-hmm. us. Right. Right. Well, I just, just now, even I was reminded of his prayer in the garden of Gethsemane, which was a similar sort of wrestling, wasn't it? It was, I don't want this, <laughs> let this pass for me. You know, it, in within that is, no, this is not okay. And yet he came to the point of saying yes. And his yes, I think is what he invites us into when, when we can answer yes to the, is it okay? It's that same kind of trust. Um, in many ways, I think it's a, Jesus has gone here before me and he's already here. Um, yes. He's in this experience. Mm-hmm. And the, is it okay? Is really a, will you give yourself to me in this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which goes back to the, I grew a lot with the Lord yeah. um, and that suffering with him. Oh, mm-hmm. So beautiful. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, that part of your story. And I'm sure, you know, the other thought that just came to mind was you mentioned the bit about, I feel when I do face death again, that some of the mm-hmm. guttural reaction and response to that will be different. Uh, that's mm-hmm. That's got to impact the small pick up your crosses and die <laughs> every day as well, uh, which is just part of all of our discipleship. Uh, speaking of your ongoing discipleship and following of Mm -hmm. Jesus, uh, would you be willing to share with us some practices, uh, maybe some ways that you're enjoying Jesus right now Mm -hmm. that have been meaningful and grounded you and given you some Mm -hmm. stability Mm -hmm. in life? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, obviously this is such a tried and true answer, um, (laughs) but the older I get, the the more true Mm -hmm. it is, which is just Mm -hmm. that the Mm -hmm. daily for me in the morning, um, sitting down, reading the scriptures, praying, listening. And for me, in a reflective way, giving space. Um, I, there's a big part of me that that sort of pushes back against the read through the Bible in a year. Because honestly, if huh? I if I go at that pace, I'm not I'm not listening well. Um, I'm reading to get it done. So I follow one that takes me through in two years. And um, and that gives me time when I'm reading through in the morning to be just noticing interiorly even what's going on, how I'm engaging with the Lord as I read my way through and listen in His Word. Um, 
I do meet with a spiritual director approximately once a month, and that is life-giving. I, I come into those times and I share what my month has been like with the Lord, what I've been pondering, what I've sensed Him saying, the questions I'm asking Him. And she's such a good listener. She she will speak back what she hears, but she's she does not give advice. She just listens and holds that space open and draws my attention back to some of the very things I've been saying, but in a way that helps me actually hear them and yeah. hear the Lord in them. That's beautiful. And then honestly, Rusty, um, you know, that I love, I love that you're exploring stability. And when I first heard that from you, I was reminded of the monastic commitment to stability. Many monastic orders, they have, they have different commitments. Um, but one of the, one of the biggies for many of the orders is this word stability. And by that, meaning you give yourself to a particular place, particular people in that place over time. Really, you're giving yourself to the Lord in that place with those people. That's not very American. Um, <laughs> there are parts of the world where people are embedded in place for generations. Mm-hmm. And increasingly, most of us are not. We move, I don't know what the statistic is, how many times the average American moves in their lifetime. Yeah. But even when we're in a place, as believers, how, how many times do we change churches? And our relationships in general, as they broaden, as we have so many friends um, on various media outlets, the number of friends that we go really deep with becomes fewer. So we don't really know what it is to give ourselves to place and to people in that place, but it's deeply biblical. For me, what I'm discovering is not discover, I mean, discovering over the last many years, but yeah. the stability of every Sunday morning going into the same church. I've changed churches actually a couple of times. One church closed down, one church changed itself enough that I didn't feel I could stay there. But it wasn't a church hopping because I want a different kind of music or a church hopping yeah. because I don't like this particular leader. And giving myself Sunday after Sunday to coming into worship with the people of God, these same people of God, some of whom I love and some of whom I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> being with them in worship where we are directed to the Lord, coming to the communion table and receiving of the Lord's goodness Thankfulness, faithfulness, week after week, that is stability. Yeah, it's a stability that is not dependent upon your feelings or your thoughts. It's, right. a, it's a stability that you've committed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going back, Sue, to your uh, discussing and talking about your time in the Word, you, you used mm-hmm. this imagery again of mm-hmm. slowing down enough to really listen Mm-hmm. to listen to God. And then you also said to listen to yourself, your own reactions and what's going mm-hmm. on, which is a very, uh, you know, very tried and true concept in the spiritual mm-hmm. direction way of caring for folks. Uh, for those who may not be as aware of maybe what you mean by that, could you mm-hmm. could you help folks just kind of understand what that time looks like in the word mm-hmm. and maybe even how they could go into mm-hmm. the word in a way where they're paying maybe a little closer attention than just 
the words on the page right, on the and the page, intellectual, yeah. you know, digestion yeah. of the experience. Exactly. Exactly. Well, theologically, it comes from a commitment to the fact that this is Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active, mm-hmm. piercing through joints and marrow. So the word of God, I should expect the word of God to be speaking, mm-hmm. not simply out there, but actually into my heart and soul and mind and body. Um, so what I'm trying to do when I slow it down enough to listen is to be noticing how is the Holy Spirit speaking this word in me? What is he doing in me? And so as I read, I'll be trying to notice with all of my senses, okay, what's my mind processing as I read this? Even where's my imagination going? Um, now, there's a difference between, and it's very important to say this, between what is the text actually saying yep. and and where am I going with it? And that's part of our discernment is, am I going off? Am I misinterpreting this? That, no, bring me back, Lord. Okay, But the Lord will be speaking to me through this text. And if, say, I'm reading in First Samuel about King David, the Lord wants me to read not just to learn about King David, but there will be things David went through, which may be speaking into my own life. And so I want to be paying attention to that. Holy Spirit, what are you doing with this word? And, and that's where I'm, I am noticing what, what are my thoughts? What are my imaginings? If something comes into my mind, I stop long enough to say, Lord, are you making this connection? Are you saying something here? Not always. Sometimes it's, okay, okay, that's just a distraction. Um, I'll set that aside. Bring me back, Lord. It really is conversation. And we began our conversation today, Rusty, by talking about conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And the conversation is two-way. So when I sit down to hear from the Lord, He wants to hear from me as well. And it's not isolated. Here's my scripture reading. Okay, and now here's my prayer. That's right. It's it. It's interactive all the way through. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I love how you're describing and defining this difference between okay, what does it actually say, and and the Lord may mm-hmm. be wanting to speak to me in that as well. But uh, even what you described earlier, you know, that sometimes we read and we can be very clear on like this is what the Word is saying. But there's also a level of I'm either like in my soul resonating with that. Mm-hmm. Or I am resistant to what mm-hmm. I'm reading. And the the beginning, you know, I meant, heard you say earlier, the beginning to like listen to that and to notice that, to pay attention yeah. to that. And I find so many folks, you know, they know what they should think. So maybe they start to feel some resistance or push back to the scriptures and they're like, oh, well, I can't. Right. Like, I just right. need to shut that off. Uh, yeah. Would you say we should just shut those those off? <laughs> Absolutely <or>? not. <laughs> no. But that's when what we start we do? talking to God. That's when we start yes. saying, we turn yes. that into a conversation with the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, I'm resisting this. Um, this. This is how I respond to this. And then give the Lord a chance to speak back. And um, yeah, any anything we notice, even and sometimes particularly resistance, is an invitation to pay attention. There's something going on there that's real, that God wants us to give voice to. Yep. To pay attention and then to turn that paying attention into prayer is what I hear you saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a conversation. 
Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for, uh, yeah, this great conversation that has really become about conversation <laughs> with others, <laughs> with the Lord. Uh, and thank you for your presence that's been cultivated by Jesus uh, over a lifetime of both uh, high highs and low lows. So thank you for being who you are, for joining me today. I really value and appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It's great to be with you, Rusty. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Please consider sharing it or giving us a rating on your favorite podcasting app so that more people can learn about the pod. If you want to read more about Leadership Transformations and what they offer, you can find their link in the show notes. They have some pretty great offerings. Also, be sure to hop over to SteadfastMen.com. That's SteadfastMin.com, where all of my offerings through Steadfast Ministries are designed to help you stay grounded in Christ to go the distance in life and work. The Art of Stability cover art was created by Brian Bim. Music created and performed by Rob Main, and the music was recorded and produced by the Asterisk Company. Thanks for staying with me until the end, and join us next time for the Art of Stability.